Hello, everybody. This is Isaac on Sox Rundown, and we are welcome with our guests Jordan and Eric. Go follow them on Twitter. Great guys. So we are going to be talking about the Tampa Bay Rays series and previewing the Guardians, and we are going to discuss the lineup, uh, rotation, and bullpen, just anything else we need to talk about. So against Tampa, we went one and three, won the first game, lost the next three. Um do you guys want to speak and what are your thoughts on the series? Really poorly managed series. There's one. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the first doubleheader was refreshing, good comeback. But like, besides that, there was really no big bright spots. The cast is two extra base hit game was fun. But, you know, the Kemley hold for the ninth. Second time in one day, and then the Reese McGuire pinch hit for Connor Wong in the ninth was a classic Cora. So, I don't know what Cora's deal is in the sense that he just loves Reese McGuire for some reason. Like, I get the platoon advantage of going to the lefty against a righty, but Connor Wong's just a better hitter. Like, you're more likely to get something out of him in terms of like actual production. Like, Reese McGuire is going to bloop a single out there. But Connor Wong has a chance to, you know, hit the ball hit 400 the ball, feet. 111 miles an hour. Yeah, like Connor, Connor Wong can change the score. Reese McGuire is, you know, a blue pitter. And I, that's I, I, something that's always bothered me with Cora this this season in particular. That he just he bails on Connor Wong against righties late in games. And it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But, yeah, I agree. The, the series was not managed overly well. I think that they, I mean, the timely hitting was the the thing that was especially gross for me, especially yesterday. Um, they just had so many opportunities against McClanahan early, and then they, they you know, had two runners on, I believe the seventh inning, and uh, Ref Snyder struck out, and they just, they, they keep getting these, they keep walking. I think they had six walks yesterday, and I think they had five or so the day before, and they just don't drive them in ever. And it's drives me nuts because the Rays drove in all of those runs. They drive in everyone, especially, especially against Hauk. Every walk, I think, all but one runner that he, one batter he walked, all but one of them scored in that game. Yeah. And you lost four to two. And the Sox walked, I think, more than Tampa Bay did that day. There's no time in the Probably got more hits too. I mean, the XBAs every game were in our favor. Back to the uh, the Maguire Wong thing. Guess uh, Maguire's WRC plus against righties this year. I'm gonna guess it's oh, no, really not McGuire. Sorry, Wong. Wong's a big plus against righties this year. I'd say it's probably right around what it is. Um, overall, what it's like 105 right now. So I'm gonna guess probably 105. It's 120. That that is shocking to me. So he's better against he righties. Better than against lefties? righties than lefties. Way better. 72 WRC plus against lefties. That's crazy. Like, like I'm not. Like, I, I, I'm doesn't a, even matter anymore. It doesn't because it's not like one guy hits better to one side. Yeah, and well, is just not good. <sighs> That's crazy. And I, I'm I'm gonna go look up Reese's now to see if Reese is doing the same weird. I think Re- I think Reese is also like one of those reverse splits guys. I think he he was hitting like 400 against lefties yep. like a week ago. <laughs> Reese McGuire WRC plus against lefties 217 against righties 66. Good God. Very but funny. hey, but hey, what you want to do in the ninth inning, especially against a righty, is have Reese McGuire come up. <laughs> That's what you want. I'm going to continue uh, the Alex core of this course. So 
my issue, I just don't think him and Haim see eye to eye. I'm not blaming Haim Bloom on this. When you need to manage a borderline possible playoff team, you need to manage it very closely and better, a lot better, and he has not done that. And lately, I don't know what it is. I'm sure we can all agree. We we need to stop playing Kike Hernandez at shortstop. He's in the lineup today at shortstop. I have no idea yeah, why. Christian Arroyo is a better defender Rick there. Pablo Reyes has made one error there, and he's made a lot of good plays. It's getting exhausting. I don't know what the issue is with Cora. I've I just been disliking his managing the past three weeks to a month. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this problem this problem kind of existed last year, too, where I felt like he kind of missed like I mean, I'll leave his bullpen management, you know, to this to the side, because last year he kind of had to run guys into the ground or else he wouldn't get any outs um, late in games like guys like Strom and Schreiber pitched a ton, uh, especially in the second half. But this year, his management has been really rough with Chris Martin, especially. I know, I know, Isaac, you go off on him every single every single game about nah, Chris Martin not pitching. But yeah, Cora is really. It, it's been a lot of there's been a lot of head scratching moves, and I think there's what I try to do with a lot of the Red Sox decision making by Heim, by Cora, by whoever is I like to you know kind of see the logic in it. But like with Kike at shortstop, he's been objectively the worst. I mean, by, you know, if you want to use errors, if you want to use advanced uh, defensive metrics, he's not a good shortstop. He's just not. His throwing is terrible at short, especially. He's got 11 of his 14 errors have been throws, which is incredible. Uh, He's a great center fielder. And, you know, with Duran struggling the past month or so, or the last, at least the last couple of weeks, especially since the, the start of the West Coast trip, that was a golden opportunity to get Kike some more run in center field and roll out your best defensive lineup, which would have had Reyes at short, Kike in center. I mean, I know Durant's been pretty good in center this year, but his decision making still kind of spotty. And Core just sticks with Kike at short, and it's just it's costing him so many outs, so many runs. And when you're a team that's especially struggling offensively, like Boston has the last couple of weeks, you can't be giving the other team runs. And Kike does it routinely at short. Yeah, the whole Cora thing with the bullpen, like, I didn't like it last year. I was like, okay, you see Schreiber, he had, what, 16, I think it's 16 and two-thirds innings in July or something, like, ridiculous like that. Uh, You give him the free pass, I guess. It was just, like, just annoying because you weren't competing and you were running into these guys with six, seven years left on their deal. Like, this year he has no excuse and he's still doing it. Like, you have a 36-year-old closer – and you're bringing him out for 55 pitches in one day across two appearances. So you let his arm get cold and then bring it back up. Like, it's just like unexplainable. There's just no logic behind that. It's not even for a save. It was for a hold. It was one, one. Yeah. And then he also like my justification the other day, uh, because uh, Gonzo and I in a group chat got in a massive fight about this, about not going to Pavetta. I didn't, I wouldn't have gone to Pavetta in that spot. Uh, now seeing that they went with Kluber two days in a row, I would have gone with Pavetta in that spot because the next day it was winnable and they went to Kluber and then, you know, all hell broke loose. I know they kind of threw the ball around like a little league team um, when Kluber pitched, but Kluber pitching two days in a row and then they they kept Pavetta out and then he pitched yesterday, which, you know, it was still a winnable game, but it just didn't make a lot of sense when you need to cover more ground after Hauk pitched. Um 
But yeah, Kenley Kenley pitching twice in one day at 36 after throwing what like 20 pitches in game one, and then the three hour holdover with it being gross out again and freezing. Yeah. It just didn't make any sense. Kenley's so, got a 2.08 ERA when given a day of rest in between his appearances. If you Kenley take Jansen, out, what's his ERA when you give him three hours? Uh, yeah, it's like 29. It's like, it's like 3,000. Yeah. <laughs> so Kenley Jansen did, in fact, he did tell Alex Cora he was good to go. And I, I, I get Cora's a great clubhouse guy. He's a nice manager, but that's what I mean. Like, you, you can't do that. You're going to have to stick it up and say, Look, you're 36. We don't want your arm or elbow or shoulder blown. I'm going to go with this guy. And I get it. There weren't many options because of the doubleheader and the next two games. But obviously not looking at it, we probably should have gone Nick Pavetta because he's been really good out of the bullpen, except for yesterday. He walked, what, three or four guys. But Mm -hmm. in a tie game, he probably could have gotten the job done. And we know with Kenley, when he's used back-to-back days or a short rest, he has not looked that good. So I just think that's something he needs to monitor more because when he when he is when he's rested, he's automatic. He'll get the job done. Yeah, and also back to the doubleheader real quick. I think the one thing that I feel like we kind of overlooked in in talking about the Cora like discourse there was I think you know you look back on it, wouldn't it have made more sense to use Cutter the in the first game when you'd have more relievers at your disposal, and then have Whitlock start the second one? because you need to carry more innings in the second game because you have guys that would be down. Not that it really made that much of a difference in the end outside of having to use Kenley twice, but like mm-hmm. you had to use Justin Garza for and you, Justin Garza and Ryan Sheriff had to combine for three innings and they did good enough. They gave up one run, but you know, if you use Whitlock in the nightcap, you know, maybe he can get you through four or five and then you only have to use Garza for one and Sheriff for one, or maybe only a couple batters. And instead, they had to use they had to stretch them out, and I mean, it ended up only costing them one run, but it could have been a ton more. They got really lucky, for sure. Um, let's look at some positives this series. So, it was a lot of the first game. I I, I thought Whitlock looked good. I don't give a shit about how many runs he allowed. I honestly thought he looked good. What do you guys think? Bayo looked good. Whitlock looked good. Both got really unlucky. Uh. Cast this game to the doubleheader, two for three with a double and a walk, a double, triple and a walk. Um, Devers found it a little bit and kind of brought it back. And it was just like you saw some promising signs and then you saw what he's been all year. Um, yeah, yeah Bayo did not deserve what he got. He had a lot of really dinky hits. He had a bad first inning and he got saved by the defense, but. Yeah, I mean, Bayo decent, Whitlock decent, Cass is good, Devers showed some life. That's really it. I thought the rotation as a whole, like the four guys that started, I know Cutter wasn't officially put back in the rotation until after his start, but the four starters I thought did good enough. Like Hauk even, he wasn't great, didn't have his best stuff, thought he pitched good enough to at least not get tagged with a loss. Um, The offense just had nothing for much of the weekend. Like it was one or it was one or two guys every game that seemed to be kind of bringing it. Like in game, with, ex- with the exception of game one, they had that massive inning. But but that was um, still Turner didn't didn't Turner go two for two for four with four of the RBIs or something? Yeah, that, yeah, and that, and also that's just one inning out of you know the thirty six they played where yeah. they the offense looked great. Um, and that's becoming a problem with them. 
is even the games that they're scoring all their runs, like it's not like they're putting constant pressure on the other team. They kind of limp through four or five innings and then they get hot for an inning. Like they did it in the final game against Cincinnati. You know, they what they scored six runs in the eighth after they had what three through the first seven. Like they, that's what they've been doing a lot lately. They've been having these massive innings, but they're not putting a lot of pressure on teams in the innings where they're, they're not scoring one run in an inning, you know, two runs in an inning and then having a big inning. It's like six really gross offensive innings. And then they light up a, a, a struggling reliever for six runs. And then yeah. that's how they, that's how they've been kind of holding their, their runs per game average so high. It's just not been very good offense outside of an inning here or there. And even all the way back to the, um, the Diamondback series and the Reds really. You, yeah. you beat up on Fott, who's good. He's promising. He's going to be really good, but he's still a rookie. Like Most of your big offensive games are just like games of the bats woke up where against inexperienced or just not good pitchers. Yeah, they're, they're really, they've been really fighting it lately. And I think the rotation in a lot of ways has looked like, I know the, the, their ERA is still not great over the last, I don't know, like 15 to 20 games. It's still in the mid to high fours, but I feel like they've been good enough in a lot of ways. And it's like one heart attack inning here or there from like Hauk or Whitlock where they get kind of roughed up a little bit, but they've been good enough. And the, and the lineup's just completely falling apart. They carried them in the first month. And then now that the pitching's kind of falling towards respectable, the offense just can't hang anymore. Yep. Um, shout out to breakdown socks for this tweet. So in the last calendar month, with the Red Sox starting pitching 15th in ERA, 15th and 5th, 5th and expected 5th, and 5th in Sierra. And the offense, 19th in WRC+, 19th in slugging, 15th in WOBA, and 15th in OPS. So it's kind of flipped around from what we saw in the first part of the season. The offense was carrying with the rotation sucked, and now it's kind of the opposite. Um, yeah. What do you guys think the struggles on offense? Like, uh, why is it happening? Duran's regression is probably the biggest part of it, which was obvious, and you couldn't count on it, and you did, and now you're paying the price. Um, I I mean, we're striking out a lot more. We were really good on strikeout numbers first two months, or not first two months, first like six weeks of the season. I think we were like third or fourth in K rate, like third lowest, and now I don't even know. I don't even want to look where we are because we've been striking out a ton. I think the offense is just getting too timid. Like it's like when, so when Schwarber came over in 2021, you know, he brought the, the strike zone command, but was doing damage in the zone and the, the offense kind of followed. And I know there was a lot more like uh, established, you know, MLB hitters like Bogarts in the lineup, JD was in the lineup, et cetera. But, and this year there's a lot more inexperienced guys or guys that have never had to have prominent roles in the offense. But like it feels like everyone's got Tristan Casas's uh plate discipline where it's like I I keep likening it to like a, a pitcher that has really good stuff but nibbles too much. It's like they're so afraid of swinging at something that's off the plate that they let a lot of borderline pitches go. Like especially in the in the uh, I think it was uh Merrill Kelly start. He had like seven strike like backwards K's. Like that's in, that's inexcusable. So go go down swinging, you know, give yourself a shot. All these guys that are so they're like so the act they're so cute about it at the plate 
And that's kind of bit them in the, in the ass a lot. And like I was talking earlier about they had two and score or two on in the seventh inning yesterday in a three run game refs are strikes out on a pitch that's middle up. He strikes out looking at it. And it's like, you know, at some point you got to start, you know, letting it rip a little bit. They're getting a little too cute. And as a result, they're getting in bad hitter counts or bad counts. They're striking out a lot more. And then Devers is like the antithesis of that where two guys walk in front of him and he swings first pitch and grounds into a double play. Yeah, ever since the uh, May 12th, so the end of the crazy win streak and the first game of the Cardinals series, the only above average hitters have been Turner, Wong, Yoshida, and Ref Snyder. And Ref Snyder has 30 plate appearances in that time. So Yoshida... You can't talk about him enough. He's ridiculous. It's more than you could ever ask for, and you just you can't even – you just can't get him on anything. Like, there's nothing. Wong's been great. Turner's picked up the offense a lot. He's been a good voice there too. Dugo's at 98. Cass is at 94. Devers is at 80. And Valdez, 66. And, you know, take a guess at Duran. It's got to be like 30. 30-something. 30 27. Yeah. I believe 36, it. He's been awful 36 percent K rate since May 12th. Yeah, he's been awful since the uh especially since the West Coast trip. I think he went like 0 for 24 2 for 26 on it or something. Yeah. He was really bad. And it's it's it which is why I was kind of shocked to see Tapia get DFA'd. And I know it's because they have to clear 40 spot to bring Duval off the 60 uh the 60 day. But I thought I thought for sure the first one to go would be Duran, and then they'd make a decision between Tapia and uh Reyes for uh for Duval but you know it is what it is Duval's coming back what Friday so he'll probably Duran will probably go then but it's just it's just in the weird. weirdest falling apart in the weirdest weirdest way I almost wish Duran regret like regressed quicker because if he was hitting like this for a more extended period of time before they had to make that topia decision he'd probably still be on the roster Duran's got one or two options left. Yeah, he's got two options. I honestly, like, I, I, it's such a weird thing to say because you don't want him to play bad, but, like, I wish he would have had enough, like, pedigree in him to get sent down because there's been a couple pinch hit sp- spots in the last two games where you were like, oh, Tapia could come in here, and, oh, wait, he's not even on the team anymore. Like, yeah, and, I mean, I'm not even a big Rymel Tapia guy. Like, I was – I didn't really yeah. – want him even to crack the opening day roster, but he's much more designed to be a fourth or fifth outfielder, which would have been his role had Duran been the one that got sent down. And obviously that's kind of moot now because he got DFA'd uh, to, and kept her and they kept Duran on the roster where I would rather him get, you know, consistent run in triple a than have him be a fourth or fifth outfielder, especially because it's not like he really, I mean, again, his defense has been good this year, despite aside from his decision-making, um, but I don't I don't really think you get enough out of him defensively to really garner to really warrant him being your fourth or fifth outfielder because you're not going to bring him in strictly for defense. And then yeah. on top of that, Tapio is one of the best base runners on the team. And now he's now he's gone. So. Pretty much. So which with the struggles, um, something I'm noticing while watching other teams, I think they're not swinging enough. Um, that's my opinion. For example, I'm not going to slander Verdugo here, but I do think his stats have fallen out a little bit because 
do you guys see he's just taking a lot of strikes down the middle and falling behind? Do you guys see that? Oh, Duran? Yeah. For, no, Verdugo. Verdugo. Oh, Verdugo. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Now that I think about it, I could – yeah. He's been really timid early in counts, whereas he's never like that. And yeah. Devers is not Devers. Um, I like Devers just, the only, Devers just doesn't know what's going on. When he's, the only two guys I am okay with their uh, approach is Yoshida and Ref Snyder. And I'd probably say Connor Wong because he's. I think he's been better than we all thought. I'm not going to slander him for whatever he is offensively. He's been one of the bright spots of this team in the future. But uh, other than those three, I want to see Devers be better. Verdugo be more aggressive. Uh, Casas, I've been noticing he's been more aggressive. Um, I don't know what it is. He's he's looked better. Um, is it like a launch angle thing, which is why he's not like getting a high BABIP? Is that why? Uh, I mean, BABIP kind of went back up. It's not back up to where it should be, but it's at two thirty eight right now. Um, it, was yeah, it was like one. It was like one ten in like mid May. <laughs> it was so yeah. low. It was crazy. It's just the yeah. It's it's the strikeout. It's that he's getting really unlucky when he does put it in play. And he's not putting it in play a lot. So just he's straight out 27% of the time, which is like, okay, he's a rookie. You can deal with that. He's still walking a ridiculous amount. I think he's like, uh, he's not qualified, but if you put it to where he is, which is like 100 and something plate appearances, he is like, he's 10th in Walker right now. The guys in front of him are Soto. Wade Jr., Schwarber, Vogelbach, Rutschman, Judge, Olsen, Castus. Like, that's elite company. That is elite and Lamont company. Wade Jr. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, and Wade, yeah. Elite Wade. company in Lamont Wade hey, Jr. Hey, Lamont Wade Jr. has got a 148 WRC plus this year, and he's, by the looks of it, not unlucky. He's got a 392 XBOBA, so he's playing to how he should be. That's nuts. That is nuts. I mean, like I'm not. I'm not worried about Casas long term. I think he's going to end up being fine. It's just like you got to you got to roll with the punches and the growing pains of being a rookie. The problem is with this roster, there's so many guys that you kind of have to live with the growing pains, and it's like it's it's leading to a lot of losses because like the other night when they made that fake comeback against Cincinnati, you know, Casas got into swing mode. You know, chase a couple pitches that are kind of if he if it's like the fourth or fifth inning, he probably lays off of. I mean, it's against Alexis Diaz; he's filthy, but still, like he just didn't look like himself in that spot. Like that's a growing pain situation. He was also zero for five in the game overall. I mean, Bayo, you've had to deal with spotty command at times. With Hauk, it's still that heart attack inning every start. With Whitlock, it's kind of so, more or less the same. He's kind of trying to deal with. Uh, you know, the reduced stuff, all those changeups looked a lot better since coming off the IL. There's just so many guys, even with Cutter, Winkowski in the bullpen. You, there's so many guys that have growing pains that you have to deal with at the same time. And that's kind of why they they kind of fall into these ruts where it just looks like they're a garbage baseball team, which they're really not. There's a lot of talent there. It's just not coming together right, at this, right now. For sure. Yeah. Um, and about the whole Cassis thing. I know uh, I'm Cassis. Yeah, I'm like I'm the Cassis guy, whatever. But did you see the Red Sox stats tweet of his month by month, like splits for WRC plus? Yeah, he he's getting scapegoated and too much negative hate from like the broadcast booth and a lot of the media. Dave it's O'Brien just like, hates him. It's so funny. It doesn't look like Dolbeck is going crazy in AAA too. So 
and Dahlbeck's a good looking dude. So he's got a lot of, uh, he's got a lot of fans in the fan base. He's like, he's got the Benintendi syndrome where it's like, he can't do anything <laughs> wrong yeah. because he's too attractive. But like, uh, yeah. And they'll, they'll, they'll praise Romeo the time in triple a. I know this is a Red Sox show, but I feel like I should share that Jacob deGrom is going undergoing Tommy John surgery. Wait, what? Wait, now, Tommy John? Yeah, seven minutes ago, Evan Grant said that Tommy John surgery for uh, Jacob deGrom reta- no. uh, repairing its Oh my God, you're right. Yeah, talking baseball, trade rumors, Fox Sports, MLB, everyone. Wow, he is. That is unbelievable. That's ridiculous. I'm sorry to cut you guys off. I just I just saw it and I was like, I gotta share this with you guys. I That's feel, nuts. Oh, this poor guy, dude. He's not gonna make the Hall of Fame because of this stuff. He and Sale are in the same boat right now. It's like they're so good when healthy and they just can't keep themselves on the field right now. But that. it's like I think Sale has the pedigree to like get in the Hall of Fame. Like Yeah, because DeGrom, DeGrom was a late bloomer. Yeah, and DeGrom's I think the most talented pitcher since Pedro. Probably, yeah. That's like very slow. The Rangers are so good this year. Wow. Yeah, yeah. They've they've been really good, but they've also been kind of lucky. They've got what, But in the postseason, you need the Grom. You're not gonna win without him. Yeah, no, you can't, you can't as we saw in twenty twenty one, you can only get so far with Nathan Avaldi as your number one. And then with yeah. also Martin Perez in your pitching stuff. Yeah, you can and Yavaldi is not keeping that up as John, wow. he'll, regress, he'll regress John, a bit. John Gray's been really good, but you just cannot depend on Andrew Heaney and Marcy Perez in a postseason series. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, they'll they'll be they'll be that team that goes nuts and they'll be like the 2021 Rays. You know, they'll win hundred games and then they'll they'll probably lose in the first round to a team that just has, you know, a better pitching staff than them. Yeah. I I I, I, I mean, take Tampa, New York, and Houston over them right now, I think. I, yeah, I would too. Clear. I wouldn't take any of the central teams. I mean, I would take probably Baltimore oh, yeah. over over Texas in a playoff series as well. Can I make I know... a wild prediction and say that they're not going to make the playoffs? The Rangers? Yeah. That would be that would be nuts considering uh although Seattle Seattle's been really bad too, now actually now that I think about it. Seattle's I don't lineup's think... been like horrendous. <laughs> yeah. I mean they're second. Yeah, they, but they've got they've Cold got this Bill Duran posting a one forty three WRC plus right now. Like their BABIP is through the roof. And they're just like, they have all the signs of a team that's going to regress heavy and regress fast. And Yavaldi is not keeping that up as crazy as, like, as crazy good as he's been, just not going to happen. Yeah, it's kind of tough to imagine, like, what, in his last 10 starts, is he's gone, he's gone like a 2018 Chris Sale kind of run where he has, he's yeah. had like a mid, with less strikeouts, ERA, you know, <laughs> less punch outs, which is another indication that he won't be mm-hmm. keeping that up for, you know, another three months, four months. But yeah. Anyway, we can get back to the Red Sox now. I just had to share the DeGrom news. All right. So That's... um give me your series MVPs and series uh what's it called? Like worst players on the Red Sox against Tampa. For MVP, I'm probably have to go Justin Turner. Uh he was our mm-hmm. best offensive player. He won the he won us the game in game one. Series loser. Um, I I gotta go with Kike and Alex Cora. What about you guys? I'll go. Uh, I'd probably go Turner, but since you just did Turner, I'll go Bayo just because he had low FIP, four hard hit balls out of the twenty one put in play, and you know it was just a good start from a 
good start against a really good team, and he's a really young pitcher, pitching in really bad conditions, and he held his own. Um, worst player, yeah, Kike Cora's not a player, but probably Cora. And um, who else? Someone mm, – I'm trying to think. Someone had a really bad series at the plate. It wasn't Verdugo, but – yeah, I just got the official Degrom notification. Was it Valdez or Durant? Yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll just go I'll just go Bora and DK. For me, um, you know, this guy wasn't probably wasn't the MVP of the series, but it was encouraging to see how well he he pitched, and I I want to shine a little bit of light on it. But Caleb Ort was awesome the last two days, <laughs> and he pitched three innings, was really good. Um, and I would, but if I had to give like a legitimate MVP, I would, it, it has to be Turner cause he carried the offense and the, and their only win, um, worst player. It, yeah. It's probably gotta be Kike. Um, he was just, he was just so bad. Um, and then yeah, Cora did not have a great series either. He gets, he gets pants way too often in the regular season. It's funny. Cause he's really good in the playoffs. Like when, he lo- when he locks in, he's iffy. unreal. When he locks in, he's unreal. But it's like he takes games off. He's like, it's like the uh, the Pittsburgh Steeler effect, where it's like, oh, this is a game we could win. Let's just completely punt it. You know, it's just kind of what he does. And he did it against Cincinnati too, because remember they were down what two nothing in a game and went to all their garbage time relievers, and it ballooned to eight zip or nine three or whatever yeah. it was, and like that. That's a win. The player, game I was, the player I was looking early. for was Duran. Yeah, Durant had a rough series too. He was super bad. Oh, and I also want to mention that Devers. I don't think did he have an extra base hit in the in the series against the Rays. I don't think. Yeah, he, did. he had that that four hundred nineteen football. Oh, that's right. He did yeah. have that double. That's right. But I just that got hit like one hundred and ten miles an hour and didn't leave. That's right. I forgot about that. I thought that was. Against he also Cincinnati. had that crazy flyout the game before. I just think he hasn't homered in forever. It's like it's driving me nuts. This team doesn't hit for enough power. It, it like it the thing with last year's team was at least you could count on him for the pop when Bogarts and JD went like 7000 at bats without homering. <laughs> this year He's nobody's six... homering and then Devers also isn't homering and it's just so frustrating. Yeah, Devers doesn't have a homer in his last 60 plate appearances. Like Yoshida at least was an on-base machine, and I I tweeted about it, and of course he homered his first at bat that night, but he hadn't homered in like four weeks. But you don't notice it. I kept, he, I tweeted that too. I was like, Yoshida's gone twenty-five games without a homer here. Yeah, and, and he but he, he had like a series. yeah, but he he had like a four forty OBP and was hitting like close to three seventy. So it's like you don't really care because he's there. always on base. But Devers never reaches base. I mean, he had, what, a five walks and four-game stretch after not walking for 20 straight days. <laughs> that was it's like It's like he he's one of those guys where if he's not hitting, his slumps are so awful to watch because he never reaches and base. And even with all the walks, he still has the lowest walk percentage of his career, minus 2020, but that doesn't count because that never existed. Yeah, that was – he's just not – he's just been really disappointing this season outside of April. Like, he was really good in April. He's been really rough since – 298 OBP. Yeah. Wow. I mean, he's, it's not like, I don't really focus on his OBP so much because it's always usually around 50 points above his average. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, and I think he's hitting what, 246 or something right now. So 298 OBP kind of checks out, but he's not hitting for power right now. And it's really, that's really, 
really a detriment to the lineup. It's kind of like last year when Bogarts and JD stopped homering, but they stopped scoring runs. It's funny because is Exwoba's top thirty. He's on that first page in Fangraphs. He's next to Otani and Rooker and Olson and Adley and all these guys who are putting up one thirty, one forty five. 150, 110, and he's sitting there with 105. Like his quality of contact's been good, but he's just not like I don't know what it is. Like he's it's his barrels have been good. He's hitting good quality of contact, but he's just not hitting a lot. Yeah, I'm not worried about him long term. It's just like right now, like I don't feel very confident when he comes to the plate that he's gonna do really anything of substance. Like I know he mm-hmm. he's like you said, he hit that double to the war, uh, to right center. Uh, I think that was against Cincinnati. Uh, that was in, in that crazy inning they had. And then he had the sack fly against uh, Tampa Bay a couple days ago where he hit it on the screws. But it's like right now his damage is just being done by hitting singles and the occasional walk. Like right now he's like in the last few weeks, when it comes to confidence I have in these hitters, he's probably like fifth or sixth or seventh on my list. Like I probably would put Costas above him to have at least a good at bat. Connor Wong might be above him. Like just in the last few weeks, Connor Wong might be above him. Verdugo's above him. Yoshida's, you know, in a tier of his own, but it's like, I just don't feel that same kind of confidence when Devers comes to the plate as I have in the past. Yeah. And I know I'm talking about analytics a lot and I know most of them when I talk are not good. And a lot of people say, oh, but you brought in Heim to fix the analytical portion of the team. And why do we still have Butch, who's awful at least Bush? Why are we struggling to do all the stuff that all these good analytical teams do? I just think the only explanation for that is it takes more than three or four years to drain the swamp. Like the reason why the Dodgers can claim a Jason Hayward and have him hit at an all star level or sign JD Martinez and get him back to 2018 level. Like, it's just got to be they've had so many years to drain the swamp and pick out the development guys that they want. Yeah, it takes time. I th- I've I've said since the beginning, this is at least a five-year marriage. So people who think this season is going to, you know, be it for Haim, I don't think so. I mean, they sign him for five years. He's is a contract. Like, next year, he might be a little bit – he might have to feel a little bit of the heat, but he's at least surviving his contract. He's not getting fired before it. Unless, you know, it's like when they fired Dave in September of 2019. Like, maybe they'll fire him to, like, start their search – in like late 2024, but he's, at but least he's, the, he's contract. the type of GM you want. It's not like you're firing him to go get a different type. Yeah. Of you'd be getting, you'd be getting rid of him to go get somebody else from Tampa Bay or the Dodgers or the or, Giants. No, you'd probably, you'd probably get Stearns from, from Milwaukee. You That's true. But he's team. also kind of like, a, he's another, he's, he's, he's the, the same, same guy. Kind of he's guy. literally the same guy. Yeah. I know he's, he's just better at pitching development, which is funny because Heim went from the Rays, but Heim finds hitters better than he does pitchers. Yeah. Um, one, a couple of things I want to say before we get to the guardian series. So shout out Quinn Riley, uh, at Quinn Riley, BB, Caleb or gained three inches of both horizontal break and, um, IVB on his cutter yesterday. And his fastball yeah, also gained three inches of horizontal break. So, um, that's promising. I thought Caleb or looked really good. Like Jordan said, in those three innings, he didn't, he didn't allow a single hit with five strikeouts. So maybe we found something with him. I mean, he has disgusting stuff. We've been wondering why is he, why does he suck? He should not suck. Um, and Yoshida's starting to hit sliders and cutters a lot better uh, lately, in no, my no. opinion. I've noticed that. And once he figures that out, that dude is going to be an absolute monster. 
So then he lost and off. Verdugo, Verdugo kind of got it going. I know he was getting deep in accounts for that three-hit game. Um, first he's got a no lucky. Yeah, he's a lot yeah. of hard outs. He's he's. I'm not saying he's back to what he was in April, but he is promising again. And, right. he's, and his war, and he's he's raking up war. He's tied for second in AL outfielders. And yeah, he is two point one entering yesterday's game. I don't know what it is right now, but that's very I mean, coming second to Aaron Judge in that metric is like winning the award. Like it, like last year, Otani coming in second for MVP is like basically as good as winning it with how good Judge has been. Yeah, he's yeah. tied for fourth. He's tied for fourth now. Uh, Judge Alvarez Rosarena. Elite company. <laughs> yeah. And he's tied with the Dolis, who's on pace for 68 home runs this year. So, <laughs> All right. Let's preview the Guardian series. So a couple of news. Um, Chris Murphy got called up and will make his MLB debut. He has not been a good starter this year in Worcester. But out of the bullpen, uh, according to Red Sox stats, he gained more velocity and more break, and he's been throwing his slider a lot more. So he might be one of those. We have a lot of these pitchers. He might be one of those good two, three inning guys who gets the job done at the majors. Um, I don't know about a starter. We don't know that yet. And um, the pitching matchups tonight, James Paxton versus Shane Bieber. Tomorrow we face Tanner Bibby, another good pitcher. We don't know who mm-hmm. starts tomorrow. And then Thursday we face Adam. Is it Savat? Savali. Savali. Okay. Savali. So, yeah. Uh, they face three good starters. Um, all of them are hittable. I think Tanner Bibby has the best swing and missed up out of the three. So we that's... played Bibby once this year already, right? No, that was Logan Allen. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's something. Yeah, he hadn't he starter. hadn't debuted yet. He hadn't debuted yet when uh when the Sox played Cleveland. Yeah. So um, tonight I think. Again, I'm not saying it's a must-win game, but I think you need to win this game to have a chance you to win You got to get series. back on the horse. You really got to get back on the I, horse. I, in my opinion, and I don't see a back. sweep. I, I could see Bibby or Savali shut us down. In fact, I'm actually confident against Shane Bieber tonight. His peripherals and analytics have not been that good. It's kind of weird. He's still a good pitcher. Yeah. But he's he's still a good defense, so the ERA is going to get deflated, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, Cleveland's been playing good baseball lately. They're twenty-seven thirty-two, which is nothing. They can still win the division with ease. I'm like, they'll be fine. Um, <laughs> they probably will. To be completely honest with you, I know the Twins have been okay, but the Twins did this last year where they were really hot until August and then came back down to earth. So tonight, um, Kike's batting six and playing shortstop, and I know we all hate Yay. that. And Reese McGuire's playing. Woohoo! <laughs> Yeah. I do like Tristan Costa's batting fifth. I will say that. That's fun. Mm-hmm. That was something I was surprised Cora didn't go to sooner with Durant sputtering, was just flipping him and Costa's, um, especially because Costa's, when he's off, is still having good at bats, even if the results aren't there. Durant, when he's off, is just an auto out, and you know the strikeout's probably coming, and he doesn't really provide anything. And uh, you know where the spot. pitch is going. Yeah, it's going high, and he's swinging right through it. <laughs> he's back to being Jaron Duran, but uh, yeah, I love Casas in the five spot. I kind of, I, I think when you know when the lineup is healthy, he'll probably settle back into the seven spot. But him in the five behind, was uh, he's behind Devers, right? Because they yes. finally flip. Cora finally went back to flipping, uh, to putting Yoshida in the two. 
endeavors in the four, which I think is the right decision as well. Um, I like Casas behind Devers. It's it's going to create more opportunities for him to you know get pitches in the zone because they can work around Devers and let him get himself out with Duran behind him. Especially as how bad Duran's been. At least with Casas, you know that he can. He still can drive the ball. I know Duran can still run into one here and there, but Casas is go is not going to get himself out more often than not. You have to still get him out. One thing I want to say is after a ton of years of guys who really liked to hit in certain spots of the lineup and did really bad when they didn't hit in those spots, Yoshida hits everywhere, anytime, in any spot. He's batted second, fifth, third, fourth, sixth. He's anywhere one through six, and he's hit every time. Like it does not matter where you put him, he's going to keep hitting. That that's that's huge. That's that's something that doesn't get talked about enough. Like you had Bogarts who wouldn't lead off. You'd have JD who couldn't hit before the three, and yeah, you'd have all these platoons, and it was just annoying trying to build these lineups. And now you can just slot Yoshida anywhere you want, and he will hit. Yeah, and Benintendi couldn't lead off, and there was all this debate about whether or not Verdugo liked leading off, but he's settled into that role. Like They've gotten buy-in from all of these guys. It's just a matter of getting the results again, and I'm sure when like Duvall comes back, that'll reinvigorate the lineup a bit. I mean, obviously, because he can, you know, we've seen in short spurts, he can carry an offense. I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, a 350 WRC plus <laughs> guy for, for the entire season, but, you know, He's a guy that, you know, he's one of the better teammates in the league. We learned that when he got signed, that they loved him in Atlanta. He's had to rehab, so he's not been in the dugout. So that's another thing. Him being back will boost morale in the clubhouse and the dugout. And then obviously him his presence in the lineup replacing probably Duran will be huge. Much needed. Yeah. Yoshida batting second, 140. Batting third, 123. This is WRC Post on batting errors. Batting fourth. 146 and batting sixth, 261. <laughs> mind you, this is with mind you, this is with like the highest ground ball rate of all qualified hitters. Yeah. Like he is like he and that's and as he sees guys more, he will start hitting the ball, getting under the ball a little bit more. And um I've learned to not He's got hate five ground years ball. to figure the ground ball issue out. I'm yeah. not worried about that. And I guess we'll settle for the like 160 WRC plus he currently has while leading the league in like topped ball rate and ground ball rate. And I've learned to not hate it so much. People that hit the ball on the ground because it comes with the territory of not striking out a lot more. Like you're not gonna hit the ball in the air every time you make contact. So I live with it. And he's dropped it because it was like 70 in April. And it's, so he's dropped it a bit in the last, you know, six weeks. But yeah, he's, he's that's like the only he's, knock on him outside of, you know, him not being a very good defender. But like, I don't understand the discourse that he has to go to DH. Like they had Manny Ramirez in left field for a decade, one, two world series. Like you can have a bad left yeah. fielder as long as he's not like, as long as he can catch routine fly balls. He passes and, the eye test. Like it's fine. So, yeah. He just, it's so just his first year playing at. It's his first year playing in the majors. He's facing harder hit balls and he's playing the green monster. Like, I know it's not a hard left field to play, but it is a tricky one in certain situations. 99% sure that most, if not all, of the NPB stadiums are domes as well. So he has to deal with having to deal with weather Oryx, as well. Oryx, which was his home stadium, was not a dome. so It wasn't? Oh, I'm no, stupid. It was not. That's my bad. Uh, yeah, Yoshida's fourth in ground ball rate behind Segura Contreras and Bell, William Contreras. Uh, and he's still putting up ridiculous numbers. He's a freak. 
crazy um, signing. Five years to figure it out, and it's like what seventeen AAV. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Um, series predictions. I'm gonna. I think they take two out of three. They played the AL Central really well this year. It's the exact opposite of the NL Central. And yeah, probably then again, who doesn't play the? Then again, who doesn't play the? AL it, it's refreshing not playing the Rays, so the team's gonna be a little bit more relaxed and confident. So I think I think we take two out of three. What do you guys think? Yeah, I could see two out of three. I I just they just can't get swept. They cannot get swept. They have to win one against Bieber or Bibby. Yeah, I think I think two out of three is a pretty reasonable guess. I would be shocked if they got swept. Um, but they're really fighting it right now. If they can somehow come out of this series with a sweep, which depending on who starts um, the TBD game, um, I think could happen. I uh, they 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 desperately need a big series. They've been they've been fighting it for too long, and they got to get hot before they go to New York. Yep, and they will be facing Garrett Cole the first game. Yeah, and then Herman and Schmidt. So you know. Yeah, but that's you. but that's elite that's elite pitching. So that means they'll actually show up. Endeavors will homer, so we've we'll, so we'll be good. <laughs> and Cassis will get going again. You know that's gonna happen. Yeah, he got a homer off the bell, and it was an absolute tank. Exactly. Oh, Boston Strong tweet: the MRI on sale will get back next week. I don't, I don't like know why. It's, yeah, it, it, like there's so much suspense with it. Like I don't even. I don't I know. Just, I have it in my head that he's gonna go on of the he's gonna stay on the 15 day and he'll be out till like August first. Yeah, that's what I hope. That's like best case scenario for me. At least. Yeah, avoid the 60 day. I mean, it's inflammation, which is again still. I don't know what his injury was in 2018 that kept him out for basically the rest of the regular season, minus like three or four starts. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that was inflammation or not. Well. We can't play well. There's no reason to rush him back. Like, yeah, it's kind of like one of those 500. things. Yeah, if if they can if they get hot, I could see them push and sail back into into the mix. And if they completely fall apart, like just throw them on the sixty day in like six weeks and just call it. Yeah, it's getting it's getting to the point where it's like you you can't depend on them, which sucks because I finally started to again. Like I. You know, it was must-watch TV when he finally started shoving again, and uh, like 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 I said earlier, it's like it's the Degrom situation. Like he was so good, Hall of Fame track, easy first ballot Hall of Famer, and then boom, just four years in a row of injuries. It's it's tough. Actually, yeah. the last time he made thirty starts was twenty seventeen. Jesus, I was in high school. I was a junior in high school the last season that he pitched that he didn't go on the IL. And I just graduated college. And I just graduated college. Way more than 20 minutes. Um, A couple more things. So as a podcast, what we usually do, we predict home runs from each team. So with the opposing team, we do like a spin the wheel thing so we don't pick the same player. And with the Red Sox players, we, we only pick a player twice in a month. So I went with Rafael Devers and... Arias, because I was third, and Naylor and Ramirez were taken. But who do you guys think home uh, hits a home run this series? Hmm. Um, for both teams or just for us? Uh, you can do both. Uh, 
Uh, I could see Yoshida getting one. I mean, that's obvious. Hopefully, uh, let's let's play Cassis. Let's say Cassis gets one. Cassis I got a, good, he's he's hit good on the road. I'll go Cassis. I think Verdugo's touch a one off tonight. This is the because he homered off. He hit that four hundred and seventy foot homer off Bieber last year. I remember that, yeah. So I got. And then he have Verdugo. another one off of what's his name Quantrill. Yeah. That, oh no, was it Quantrill? He hit the four hundred seventy foot. That homer was off Bieber. Him? It was Bieber, okay, but he did home run Quantrill Devers, last Devers year too. Devers and I think. Verdugo hit one off of Quantrill last year because yeah. Quantrill did that stare down on Devers, and the next day beat took him. Yeah, Verdugo had like that that six game stretch where he hit like Barry Bonds with home runs. But yeah, I yeah. got Verdugo for the Sox, and then for Cleveland, you said uh, Arias, Ramirez, and who were taking Naylor? Oh no, you you could pick anybody. <laughs> uh, all right, I just don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to have any repeats. So I'm gonna go with Josh Bell. My only dark horse that's Mike Zanino, so he owns us. That is true. That is he true. He does. Oh, you took my guy. Hold on. Let me let me scroll through here and see what <laughs> see what's left. I don't want to repeat. I picked the Rios. You can pick anybody. You can pick Ramirez or Naylor. It doesn't matter. Um, let's go. Let's go. I'm gonna get really funny here. Let's go, Will Brennan. Sounds I think he homered right. the other day, so that's not outrageous. He he's like been going off since he killed that bird. Yep. Yeah, that yeah. Somebody alert Peta. Also, Yu Chang is uh batting third today in Worcester, so just letting y'all know that he is on the mend and maybe will be back soon. Sweet. Yeah, Will Brennan slugging seven sixty two since he killed the bird. What a freak! <laughs> My last Red Sox note. So Chase Dog two tweeted this. Guess what our record is with and without Trevor Story? Oh, I saw the tweet. It's ridiculous. Is this guy really that valuable to the Red Sox? Well, defensively, yeah. I mean, it's insane. 51 and 43 with Trevor Story. 542 win percentage. That gets you in the playoffs. Without him, 57 and 71, which is a 445 winning percentage. That's yeah, they crazy. were a playoff team. They were, I mean, they were like when he got hurt last year. Didn't he get hurt like right after they went on that like crazy run in June? Like, yeah, hurt was, like, right in the beginning of July against Tampa Bay. When like, him and Sale got injured, that's when I'm like, it, it just crushed me. Yeah, I think I think when Story got hurt though, they were like nine games over 500, and then they immediately sputtered. And I mean, it was like a slow limp to going getting back to 500, but then they kind of just hung out under there. I mean, story is story's a beast. And even if he's not hitting, you know, he's going to bring it defensively. And that's something the Red Sox desperately need. Like I'm, I'm, I'm ready for some, for some lineups with story and you Chang and it, if humanly possible, I'm sure Chang probably gets cut for, or maybe it'll be, uh, maybe it'll be Pablo Reyes. I have no idea, but they need to find a way to start like not being absolute losers on defense. And uh, I, I will sacrifice some offensive pedigree to get, you know, a routine ground ball to shortstop thrown to the first baseman's chest and not the 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 dude in the 70th row with his first baseman. Yeah, exactly. Looking at you, Kike Hernandez. <laughs> um so yeah, that's really about it. Um do you guys want to talk about anything around the league? Uh oh shout out Marcelo Meyer three for five uh two extra base hits 
in double A against uh, the Yankees affiliate. Shout out Alec Manoa for getting sent to the rookie ball. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Like, I mean, that dude, I, I, it's so funny because, you know, Air, uh, Hubs freaking said he was too fat to pitch with the pitch clock. And Alec Manoa goes out there and is literally the worst pitcher in the league. <laughs> Got sent to rookie ball after being an all-star. What a fall from grace. I'm sure he'll be fine long term, but this year, good, good lord. Yeah, he's got to be the biggest story of the 2023 season. Him and and the good news probably Luis Arias hitting 399. <laughs> he could do it. Yeah. I'm telling you, he could do it. Like I'm like, it's still a ways away, but the dude is like an elite like placement hitter. Because he doesn't hit the ball on the screws, so his line and he's like fourth in the league in line drive rate. So he's one of those guys that will just slap it over the middle infielders all the time, and get a bunch of singles. Like last year, there was all these jokes about him being like the next Tony Gwynn, and if he hit more extra base hits, he probably it probably have a little bit more validity to it. to it. But he's going to be. He's going to be a dude who hovers around like 380 all year. And I hope yeah. that he, I, I hope he can do it. That'd be so cool if he could hit over 400. I don't think there's any way he The Marlins are in a playoff spot. Do you guys know that? Yeah, they're they like, are? I thought they were yeah, like, the, the, the NL East has been oddly mid this year. They're 33 and 28. That's pretty good yeah, for what they are. That's yeah. a perfect help from Trey Turner. And I, I think that trade was the best, probably the. Oh, I mean, you can argue Yoshida and them, but like as far as trades, I think that was an A plus trade by the Marlins. I Pablo hated Lopez it. Like, I was, I, I really hated it for the Marlins. Like I, was, I did too at the no. time. I did too at the time. But Arise hitting four hundred and Pablo Lopez hasn't been great for the Twins. I mean, he's been good. I, I'm pretty sure, but he struggled or, lately. Like the last few starts, yeah, I know he's been pretty rough, but still a good pitcher. <laughs> and the Marlins, on top of that, like Sandy Alcantara hasn't been. He like, sucked. <laughs> he hasn't been the the Cy Young Sandy Alcan uh, Sandy Alcantara. He's been getting lit up. He got gave up like six earned to the the A's the other day. Like he's not been good at all, and they're still in a playoff spot. That's you know good for them. I mean, they were good in 2020. They kind of fell apart the last couple of years, but they still got that nucleus of like Garrett Cooper and. You know, Jazz is there and healthy. You know, Stallings is a good defensive backstop, or at least had been historically. And they have a they have a ton of pitching. Yuli, Yuli Gurriel has been really good for them. Yeah, Gurriel. That's a that was a good veteran. Solaire has been a monster. Yeah, Solaire's on yeah. was hit like nine home runs in four days. Basically, you do as a freak. Just and they, it's so the, crazy. Like, like how many seven. teams? How many teams can trade two all star caliber pitchers and Pablo Lopez and Zach Gallon and still have like? Four studs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was just looking at the hitting leaders last seven days. Three, or sorry, two, four, and 12 at 298, 234, and 221 WRC+. Naylor, Brennan, Jimenez. So, great time to play the Guardians. Oh, goodness. And they're, and they're another one of those teams that, like, dink and dunk you to death and piss yeah. you off when you watch Such them. Such an I, I can't team to play against. And they steal My... a lot of bases. Yeah, my favorite my favorite part of any Guardian series is when it's over. It's my favorite part. I hate facing them. Yeah, James Paxson's got to be careful with the locks, or because they're they're Reese McGuire is not throwing out anybody. <laughs> they're not. He's not yeah. going to strike many guys out tonight either. They don't chase. Yeah, they, I, and, I, I and when they do, under. they hit it. 
I would definitely take his under as well. It's like it's, what five and a half. It is five and, and a half. That's the that's the easiest under of the season. <laughs> there. Um. Uh. Before we go, a topic I want to discuss. So the teams that spent the most money this offseason, the Blue Jays, really the bad. Mets, the Phillies, and the Padres have all disappointed. That's like they spent it irresponsibly, and there was a ton of panic signings. Swanson is, shouldn't have got that money. Is that gonna make Turner? Voters... I can't really explain Turner. Turner was a good process, bad result. And Bogarts was the most predictable thing of all time, and it <laughs> happened, and no one is surprised. Oh, and the Cubs, who sucked, but our owners, besides our, our owners, going to be more careful about spending now. Well, I don't think Cohen will. I mean, he he's the definition of any problem I I face, I can solve with money, which is hilarious because they've been they 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 have the same record. They didn't as the create Red Sox. problems with the money they spent. Yeah, like they spend like give forty mil AAV to dudes that are like nine hundred years old. They just signed guys like Mark Canna and Starling Marte to massive deals. Brandon Nimmo, I think, has been pretty good this year. At least he was last time I checked. Yeah, was admittedly a couple weeks ago. Like that was a solid signing, but eight years is ridiculous, and it's just like he that, that the Mets are going to be awful in a few years. Like they're going, and Lindor's been horrible this year as well. I mean, that was another Everyone, one of those. Every, that was another one of those. Yeah, that was another one of those, you know, smart decision to trade for him, even though Jimenez has been really good uh, for Cleveland. But that was a, you know, trade for him and extend him. That was good, but hasn't really been very fruitful for the Mets aside from last year. Um, But yeah, I just, it it was like the huge thing was Preller rage spending because Judge and Turner said no. (laughs) Dave has always been the guy that just goes after all the flashy names. And then the Mets, Steve Cohen is a rage spender. Like it's really those three. I think the Cubs just wanted to kind of show that they were serious about competing and they went out and overpaid for Swanson. But I like the Tyone signing when they made it. He just hasn't been very good. I know that was it was a bit of an overpay, but it was kind of a you know a player's yeah. market this year. Top ten uh, top ten AAV free agent signings this offseason. I'll go ten through one. Diaz, Bassett, Swanson, Bogarts, Rodon. Turner, Correa, DeGrom, Judge, Verlander. Ten of those guys have been horrible or have died. Yeah, and then the other one's Aaron Judge, <laughs> who's, who is bordering on, like, I mean, he's the second best player in the game only because Otani's great at pitching. But he's very close just based on his offense alone. Like, he's what? He's probably on pace to break his home run record. Yeah, that guy's ridiculous. Yeah, he's but he's a, not gonna have another 500 OBP second half like he did last year. Like, I, I don't think it'll be that good. But yeah, it's, it's, it's hard it's to hate the player. guy. <laughs> I wish he was on the Red Sox. <laughs> it would have been. It would have been phenomenal. I, I wish he was more it would have been phenomenal so if he. It. Yeah, it would have been phenomenal if he, you know, actually was a giant for longer than the five minutes he was in December. Oh, that would have been so nice. Yeah, and the best part is the Yankees probably would have gone out and signed Correa, who's been severely average this year. He's been really unlucky, hurt. but counting stats, he's been. He's, he's hurt too. Yeah, he's hurt. Uh, he's got like plantar fasciitis or something. Oh yes, I do remember that. I forget now. Which I mean, hey, makes sense now that why you know, two teams balked at signing him after signing him, and then the Red Sox mm-hmm. were never really in on him. 
was still probably was one night where Karabin posted, posted a batting practice video of Correa hitting at Fenway. Yeah, that <laughs> and everyone thought he had some inside scoop, and I was like, yeah, no, he's just trolling. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I probably would still rather have Correa while on one foot over Kike Hernandez at short, but that's neither here nor there. I understand, like that was one of those moves where, like, with the benefit of hindsight having Kike short was stupid and current and is still stupid. And every day he plays it short is malpractice, but I understood like the process behind it. Like he brought in Duvall. So the outfield was covered with Yoshida Duvall and Verdugo Kike. When he's healthy, generally you could count on him for like 20 home runs and around an average WRC plus. And he's historically a great defender everywhere he plays, but he's not an everyday shortstop. And we learned that over the course of the Very first, you know, thing. month of the season. And it's just, you know, Arroyo got hurt. Chang got hurt. I think they figured it out. And that's why Chang had been playing every day, but then he broke his hand. Then they had to go back to Kike at short. And that's just been a nightmare. Yep. Yep. All these contracts makes me realize I would do the Trevor Story contract any single day right now. I yeah. think it's a bar. Still looks, bargain. still looks like a good deal. No matter would probably give him. Would probably even be willing to go a little higher on the on the AAV. That like that's how much of a bargain it is compared to all these other contracts. What's it? Is it twenty four? Yeah, something like that. It's like twenty three six or something. Yeah, I'd do that any day. I'd, that, I'd be willing to go up to twenty five or twenty six with how outrageous some of these other deals have been. Yeah, it's twenty three point three six years, one forty. Yeah, that and the Marcus Simeon contracts have been looking way better than a lot of the ones we're seeing right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, Simeon would have been really good at Fenway. Damn. He would have. <laughs> he would have been awesome here. But that contract was ridiculous. Yeah, but now now not so much. No, not <laughs> it so was... much. Yeah, but it was. He's on a 24-25 game hitting streak. Yeah, he's a freak. Yeah. Him and Luis Arise have been winning me a lot of money lately. <laughs> and Wander, Wander's been hitting for average like he always does. I feel like he's, I feel like he's never not on an on-base streak, like or a bad era hitting streak. Like every time I see a tweet about Wander, it's that he's got a hitting streak, and it's like, does he ever break it? Like, remember rookie year he had like a twenty-eight game like hitting streak, and now this year he had like a thirty-two, and now he's back at like a twenty. Does he just go over one game and then go back to going? Two for four. Yeah, bro, game. bro, like pinch hits and walks, and then he, next game he, he goes three for four and starts the next streak. He's he's yeah. he's insane, and it's funny because like with how great the Rays have been, Wander hasn't really been getting. I feel like a lot of the attention. It's been Randy and Yandy Diaz, and you know, obviously McClanahan and and Glass now being back. Like those guys get all the attention, and Wander, who was one of the most hyped prospects of at least the last, at least since Bryce Harper one of the most hype prospects. I feel like he's not getting a lot of a lot of love and he's still just as steady as ever. 3 war 146 WRC plus. Striking yeah, out really 13. Striking out 13% of the time as a 22-year-old. Yeah, he's ridiculous. He's 22. Oh my god. <laughs> and he's in this division for another 12 years. Yeah. Amazing. Any last thoughts or comments before we end this? Um, look to change the divisions, please, or the playoff format or something, because <laughs> I hate when people look over those run differential by division stats and they go, oh, that's funny. The ALEs is really good. It's like, okay, yeah, but you got to do something about it at this point because you can't – like it's bad for all faucets of the game. You have 
I know it's best, the best should make it in, but when your division is this stacked and all these people are in one division and you've got star players missing out just because of the division they play in, you have an issue. Yeah, when the 26 and 35 Chicago White Sox are only five and a half out of first in their division, which, you know, and, and the Red Sox who are 30 and 30 are five and a half out of a playoff spot. Like we have a problem with divisions and I don't know necessarily about realigning them, but maybe you'll conferences. I don't know what the plan should be moving or forward just, or just keep divisions and then don't count them for the playoffs. Like the yeah. NBA does the yeah. NBA plays their division crazy often and they don't have an issue with it because the that's playoff true. format isn't determined on it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like, I don't know, like I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the standings right now and yeah, the we, Red Sox would be in, what, would be in second in the AL Central. They'd be a game behind Minnesota for first in the Central. They'd be they'd be in fourth by they'd be a half game out of third in the West. Um, they'd be tied for third in the NL East. They'd be third in the NL Central, and they'd be third in the NL West. But they're dead last in the American League East. So that's another thing. I get sick of the people that point out that they're in last yep. place. I understand. At the end of the day, like being the worst in your division is not good. But when your division is that stacked, it's so hard to compete, which is why the Red Sox will probably end up having to sell or do like a very soft buy at the deadline. Um, but they are like, it's just tough. Like you're 30 and 30, which isn't great. And your division record, mostly because of Tampa Bay, you're one and seven against them, um, is not great. But against everybody else, I know that I know they've sucked against the NL Central as well. But like they, they're going to be a team that wins eighty-five to eighty, anywhere between like eighty-two and eighty-six games. I think maybe eighty, maybe eighty-eight if they you know get somebody unforeseen at the deadline. Um, and they're going to probably finish in last in the AL East, and like that's so unfair to like the people that construct the roster and like the players in the clubhouse that they win eighty. We'll call it 85 because it's dead center of my range that I gave. And they come in last place in the division and they don't even they don't even come close to the playoffs. Like that's just so unfair to those guys. You gotta do something about that. Eighty five would, would eighty five would make them a little bit close to the playoffs. Yeah, they, the but they probably made, still miss Rays made it in with eighty six last year. So Yeah, but when the entire division is three games better than you, like yeah. you still probably finish you know, three or four back. Like you have competitive baseball in September. Like we'd care about every game in September, but like you still miss it. <laughs> yeah. You still come in last. It's so it's just tough. And but thankfully they don't face the division outside of the I mean I know they have to face the Yankees a bit. Um but they've already taken care of seven of their ten against the Rays or eight of their ten games against the Rays. Uh I think seven of the ten against Baltimore. So if you can, you know, tread maybe go six and four or seven and three against the Yankees, you already have you're already four and zero against uh, Toronto. Like just take care of business against the other divisions, and you'll be good. Yeah. I wish we were Tampa Bay North. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I'm saying, dude. That was such a, that was used as an insult for years. That was used as an insult for years. I would kill to be Tampa Bay North. They're forty three and nineteen. With all those injuries, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With all the injuries in the world, they bring they get guys that they they get guys like Zach Eflin, and they turn them into really good, really good players. Like Yandy Diaz is in the MVP race. 
Yeah, this I, is I, what mean, I'm I love saying. Like, they've had 20 years to to build a system and build models that find these guys. You 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 hire Hyman, you just expect it to be like Tampa, and it's you can't. Like, it, it's like you can't they've had you gotta... 20. They've had a century of work dedicated to development and finding these guys and scouting, and like it's the same thing with the Astros and the Dodgers. It's like these teams did not get like this overnight. It takes a while and it's starting yeah, I mean, to happen Correa in the was what you've got like these Correa guys and Springer a. and Altuve were all drafted between like 09 and 2012 and they weren't consistently great till 2017 yeah and it's starting to show in double a with you got like Liu and you had Drohan and you've got all these prospects coming out of the double a pitching like where do these guys come from yeah it's starting I mean, to show like, Van it's Bell's to show been pretty good aside from when he faces the Yankees affiliate um like uh, Perales will be around probably in the next couple of years. I mean, I and know the hitting's kinda, been phenomenal. Yeah, and like and and like Raffaello will probably factor in at some point, at least defensively, as long as he can. You know, I don't know if maybe they should just let him be erratic with his swinging because since they've tried to kind of correct it, he's regressed as a as a hitter. I don't know, but they, but they've uh, they've got a lot of these guys that are kind of falling into into place where like you could see them being key or like really good MLB players in like the next couple of seasons. So like, that's why I think you, Oh, that's why I think you have to uh, be patient with these guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I think our breakout pitcher this year has been Isaac coffee. I've heard yeah, he's, he's been really good. He has electric stuff. He throws hard. I mean, that's encouraging he drafted last year too. So I, I think Rafaela, I think they're going to keep him. Um, His defense and speed is just, like, absolutely insane where he has that high floor. And if he can be, like, offensively, like, let's say maybe Ma- Manuel Margot, you, you take that. His defense and speed, you can get, like, a two-and-a-half, three-win player out of that, you know? Yeah. I mean, they, like, they have these guys. And, like, like uh, Eric was saying before, I'm guessing he disconnected, but he – um. Like the, these things take time. Like with Houston, it took, you know, four or five years for that to fully come together. Like I think Altuve debuted in like 2012. Cause I think he, yeah, cause I think that was the year Matt Kane threw his perfect game and Altuve was in the lineup that game, um, which is crazy to think about. But like it took time, it took four or five years for them to become a legitimate powerhouse. It took the Braves a bit. They were really bad from like 2016 to 20 or 2015 to 2017. And then Acuna comes up and, you know, they go on. Swanson came over and he played well. Albies and everybody. Max Freed, like these things take time. Strider, yeah. Yeah, Strider. These things take time. And like Eric also said, like you got to, it takes time to get rid of the, you know, the guys that don't buy into what you're kind of selling at the, at the, at the major league level and replace them with guys who do. And I think by like 2025, 2026, I know that's some time away and this market's not patient. You'll really start to see the benefits of having Haim these last few years. I just hope he's around to see it because it feels like the next guy tends to get a lot more credit than the uh, the previous guy does whenever a team's good. Like Dave got yeah. a ton of credit for getting sale and price and JD as he should. But like Mookie was drafted by Theo and developed by Charrington. 
Jackie Bradley, same deal. Matt Barnes, same deal. Vasquez, same deal. Like all these guys yeah. that were part of that World Series team were around for Charrington and around for Theo. And Dave gets all the credit for, you know, putting a bow on it as he should. He gets a ton of credit as he should get a ton of credit for it. But like, you know, in 2027, 2028, if Heim's not around and Myers, you know, leading the team in war and, you know, Rafaela, I mean, Rafaela was around before Heim as well, I'm pretty sure. But like, Hauk is good. I know he was a Dave guy, but Heim could have traded him several times. Didn't. Connor Wong's good. Verdugo's an all star, perennial all star. But like, the next guy comes in and signs whoever the hell to a massive contract and he's really good and they win the world series that guy will get the credit and i i hope heim is able to stick around to see the guys he drafted come up and and make an impact i, I think heim's the right guy for the long-term plan my only issue is um just address the starting rotation that's all i want that's the minimal I'm asking. Address that. I don't care what you do with the bullpen or lineup. We're going to score runs. Our bullpen's already way better, and he did address that. Give me Yoshinobu Yamamoto, please, begging on my knees. <laughs> yeah. Just if you get me a frontline starter. <laughs> Land me a frontline starter. I think Haim is a better recruiter than he gets credit for because we got like we had the them being the interest kings in 2021. And I know that like Heaney and Eflin stood him up this this offseason. But I mean, they were able to go get Yoshida. They've shown that if they're aggressive with a with a player they really like, they will go get them. Like they like if they like a guy like Yoshida, they will allow they will make it so that way nobody else is able to negotiate with them. Like they got Yoshida before any other team basically got a whiff of him being posted. Like it was within hours he was on the Sox. They they clearly they clearly can be aggressive when they need to be, and I hope they do the same thing with Yamamoto. And I think they will be, I think they will, because like I said before we started recording, like they have a rapport now with Oryx as higher ups, so I'm sure they'll be able to get you know able to talk to him. It's an unlucky, unfortunate situation where like we offered Zach Eflin more money to come, we offered Andrew Heaney more money to come. We offered a volley a contract, whatever the speculation is around that. And we don't get either of the three. And it's just unlucky because you're like, all right, we need a starting pitcher. Let's go sign Corey Kluber, who was an average starting pitcher last year. He had a 3.7 fit. He had like a three war. Like, all right, this guy can be the fifth starter. He's a good mentor. He's going to throw strikes. He's not going to walk anyone. And here you go. The exact opposite happens. That dude sucks. And it's an unlucky, unfortunate situation for Bloom where – I don't think it's his fault for that. It's it's frustrating. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Like you see all these other teams, they bring in these guys, and like this is where you know it. It a lot of the the heat needs to be thrown at the coaches at the MLB level. Like Caleb Ort could not figure it out at all at the MLB level. Goes down to AAA for a few weeks, comes back. Looks better than he did at any point in his major league career before that, and maybe some of it's comfort, maybe some of it's coincidental. But you said you said earlier, you know, he was getting a lot more vertical move or horizontal movement on his cutter. His slider looked really good as well. His fastball, he he took turned it down a little bit velocity wise, and his command looked a lot better. I know he walked, he wandered yesterday on like four pitches, but then he, you know, kind of shut it down after that. Um. But these guys aren't having this success at the MLB level. John Schreiber became great in AAA before coming up to the majors. I know a lot of that was, you know, driveline stuff and, you know, building up velocity. That wasn't, that was independent of coaching. But like these guys are figuring it out in AAA. 
and they're not figuring out the MLB level. Like Kluber regressed big time. Um, Evaldi, I know it was a lot of velocity related stuff and injuries, but at his best in Texas, he was way better than at his best in Boston. Like it's a problem at the, at the MLB level with the coaching staff. And I hope Heim sees that. And after this season, they clean house. I'm cool with keeping Cora um, because like you said earlier, good clubhouse guy, Um, maybe not the best in-game decision maker, but he's still good for morale in the clubhouse and everything, but they need to clean house and fix it at the MLB level from a coaching standpoint. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I I thought we had a really good offseason. I liked a lot of Heim's moves. We were aggressive. The whole narrative that we don't spend or whatever, it's bullshit. They staying under the tax was a John Henry decision. Yeah, it has to be. And I don't know what the plan is between those two. I think both see eye to eye. And that's what I said earlier. I just don't really think Corey sees eye to eye with Hines sometimes. Like batting Kike Hernandez six and playing shortstop every day. That's not on Hein Bloom. Not putting in Chris Martin when you sign this guy to a three year deal and he's an elite reliever. He, he needs to be used more in high leverage situations, which he has lately. But like, that Cardinals series, he was available. He, he didn't pitch the first or second game. He could have closed that game, and we would have won, you know, just that second game where Sale went eight innings. Yeah. Just stuff like that. Yeah, it's these little things that end up becoming massive problems, and I feel like sometimes because of it, there's like – I don't want to say nitpicking, but it's like when there's been so many glaring mistakes that Cora's made, like – you can't do both Kike hitting sixth and playing shortstop. You got to hit him ninth and play him at short, or if you want to hit him sixth or seventh, put him in center field. So at least you can count on half of him to be, you know, decent. When you have him hitting behind Casas in the six hole and playing shortstop, like that, neither of those are on Haim. Now you can obviously make the case that he, it was inexcusable to have him as their shortstop to start the season. I know they were preparing for it to be story and he had to get surgery. But and there was really no market for shortstops after that news broke. I think it was in um, around Christmas. They knew he was going to have to get surgery. Um, at that point, I think only Correa was left unsigned, and that was kind of a you know a sketchy situation. So you can make the case Kike shouldn't have been the everyday shortstop to start the season. There should have been a better contingency plan for not having Bogarts anymore. But at this point, it's on core for continuing continuing to put him there because Heim brought in Pablo Reyes, who's been fine. Um, he's provided a little bit, you know, a very lucky hitter, but he's provided a little bit of offense. He's a better shortstop than Kike, and he's, you know, been relegated to, you know, a bench bat who plays short against lefties. And then even when both of them are in the infield, Kike's at shortstop when he should be at second. It's just that's on Cora. Um, I do think that there's a there's a chance that Cora is not the manager after the season, depending on how they finish. I don't think Heim gets fired before his contract's up, though. I think they might even bring him back after 2024. Yeah, his contract is up actually next year, I think. Yeah, it's after it's after next season. And he and I, Cora, he and Cora both have uh, contracts through 2024, but I think Cora could get fired after the season. And I I think the main thing they want to do is the only terrible contract on the roster is honestly Chris Sale, and that's not on Heimblum, that was on Dombrowski. You have one and a half years of that left. And I think once his contract's up, they're going to be like, all right, we can finally do what we want to do. Like, 
And I'd rather deal with this. Like like Cora said, we're not a great team, but we're not a bad team. And I agree with that. This this is an above average roster. Um, like 82, 86 wins, like you said. It's just it, they're being scapegoated for being in one of the best divisions in MLB history. If they were in any of the other five divisions, they would probably be in a playoff spot right now. I'm not I'm not joking. That's I fully believe that, even with all the injuries. When you don't have Trevor Story, you don't have Adam Duvall, it's a great clubhouse guy. He gets home runs, plays great defense. And then you just lost your ace, who was pitching like his, his old self and Chris Sale. Like James Paxton's been an amazing signing so far. Um, high ceiling guy. Doesn't work out. You lose games. All right. You trade him at the deadline at high value. You get a lot of return because teams want starting pitching. Yeah. The team, the team is like, I saw like with last year's team, and I know they did kind of like a half sell, half buy. This team is also in that same position where at the deadline, they can really do a lot for the future of the of the organization with these guys that are on these one year deals. I really think like a lot of, you know, it's like the Sox have been memed for being, you know, an organization that gives out a ton of one year contracts. But I feel like a lot of teams do that and they don't get catch as much flack for it. Um but the beauty of it is like this division is stacked and I don't really know if, you know, if they had gone out and signed, you know, Rodon and let's just pretend Rodon's been healthy, even though he hasn't been, let's just pretend they go out and sign Rodon and he pitches like an ace all season. Like that's only one out of every five games. Are they that much better by having him as opposed to, I don't know, like giving the reins to like Garrett Whitlock or Tanner Houck. I'm sure they are they're probably a few wins better, but they're still not in the playoffs. Like this team, this division is so stacked that you're almost better off kind of kicking the can down the line a bit and preparing to be really good around 2024, 2025 when guys like Meyer and uh, York are ready and Droan's ready and, you know, maybe Mata factors in, which I doubt he will because he's kind of fallen off a cliff. But, you know, maybe Brandon Walter factors in, you know, Cutter is comfortable at the MLB level, maybe becomes a starter. Bayo is you know, got his feet wet. He's ready to be, you know, a frontline rotation guy. Like they're better off getting by with these veterans for like the next, uh, like last year, this year, maybe next year, although I'd rather than be a bit more aggressive ne- next off season. Um, but 2024, 2025 is really when the clock is starts ticking for Heim Bloom to get this team to be like a perennial playoff contender. Yeah, for sure. I agree on that. And um I'm I'm actually glad. Um in the offseason I wanted a couple of guys that are really expensive and we didn't sign any of them really. Um like we dodged the bullet not keeping Bogarts. We dodged the bullet not aggressively getting DeGrom or I don't know, Verlander, you know. Or even Rodon. I, I'd rather be in this position than deal with more disastrous contracts. And you know those fans who are like always unrealistic, gonna be like High and Bloom doesn't spend, and then he signs a guy who's always injured or sucks, and then they're going to blame that on him. It's, it, he, he can't win either way. Baseball is hard. Baseball is a hard sport to be a GM or a chief baseball officer. It's hard. Yeah, it's just – it's it's a tough – like, you don't get enough credit when you're doing well, but you catch all the blame when when you're playing poorly. Like, I think that the same goes for managers. They catch a lot of flack when they're not doing well, but we always give all the credit to the players when they're doing well. Um like at the end of the day, it's a results business, and a lot of it is out of the control of the decision makers. Um, but like with Heim, like you, like you said, it's like 
like people still I still see tweets about imagine how good this team would be if they had Xander Bogarts. I'm like Bogarts <laughs> been awful. He he had a he like he lit it up for the first week of the season when you know Adam Duvall was doing the same in Boston. So there's really no difference between those two. And since I think since like April 7th, Bogarts has like an 85 WRC plus. And his wrist is like fucked. I'm sorry if you guys don't swear on this. I but like his wrist is screwed up. <laughs> like he's not like there's a I mean, he probably will end up having like offseason surgery and it'll probably be rectified next year, which I'm sure he'll improve because it'd be hard to be much worse than he is right now. But we're talking about this in year one of eleven. Yeah. Like um... at this point, like the way he's played, the way he's played, I'm glad he didn't accept six for 160. Oh, yeah, like, for like sure. he's been awful. Like the only reason, the only upside of keeping him for me beyond 2020, like six is just to make sure that you had Devers on his next contract, but he signed an extension anyway, and you don't even have Bogarts. So that's like, he doesn't get credit for not bringing back Bogarts because Corey Kluber sucks. So because <laughs> like, like they replaced the offense by bringing in Yoshida. And I like I'm not gonna give him crap for not bringing back JD. J- he replaced 2022 JD with a better hitter in Justin Turner. Like you have to think big picture. You're not replacing 2018 2019 JD. I know he's been that this year for the Dodgers, but he wasn't that anymore in Boston. And you replaced that adequately replaced him, and he's and Turner's been good. So you can't really give him crap for not bringing back JD. It's just like a weird thing with like. All the red flags you saw with Waka last year, he's been pretty good. I know he'll probably regress as well because his peripherals were like two full runs higher than his ERA. Same with Evaldi. He'll regress a little bit. Um, and then JD, and all three of them have been awesome. And those the 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 first two I mentioned, winning pitcher of the month in May didn't make things a little any easier. Um but it's like, you know, some things are out of your control. At the end of the day, it's a players and coaches league and Socks just don't get the most out of their talent. Yeah, I fully agree. It's just funny. Padres fans are calling him the next Eric Hosmer. And I'm sure even if he gets his wrist fixed, I mean, what, you're going to get maybe two or three good years out of him. And it's just not worth the long-term deal. He's not going to be, he's not going to be very good after like 2026, 2027. Like you are, you went, the reason uh, like a, like a rational GM, I'm going to pretend I'm not AJ Preller. I'm, I'm somebody else that's running the Padres. Rational GM signs Xander Bogars to a massive contract because your team is stacked and you want to best give yourself the best chance to win a world series in the next three to four years, because you know that you're on the, you're on the, you're on the hot seat because you traded a ton to get Soto. You paid out the ass to get Manny Machado. And you got Tatis because the 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 Chicago White Sox are stupid, um, and you were so close last year. So you go out and you get a guy that had a six win season, but you know that after like year three or four, he's not going to be very good. But the fact he's bad in year one makes it so much worse. So so much worse. Yeah. So they also they rectified the. Jake Cronenworth situation before Juan Soto, which tells me Soto's hitting the market. Like, there's no way he doesn't become a free agent. Uh, yeah, and he's gone. I, yeah. He is out of there. 
Did you see what he said in the interviews? Or yeah, they were like, why is the game? offense struggling? And he's like, "Ask the, don't ask me that. <laughs> like, yeah, he's doing his part. He's literally like, what, 140, 150 WRC plus? That's Juan Soto for you. <laughs> yeah, and he's and he's like underperforming his ex-Wobo by like a good 20 points, at least last I checked. Like his OBP is still hovering around 400. Like he's an, he's an animal. And the rest of the team is just falling apart. I mean, Tatis has been good too, at least from a power standpoint. Um, but like Machado's regressed big time. Oh yeah, Soto's got a four thirteen OBP, and yeah, three eighty four Woba, four oh one X Woba. Dude's insane. He's already got two wins above replacement as well. Two F four. Um, has he been playing good in the outfield this year? Nah, yeah, negative three, negative three defensive run saved, which was good for him last year. He had like negative a ton. Oh what? Am I not looking at Juan Soto's page? No, I am. I guess he's a better defender than I thought he was. But yeah. The Padres Anything are, are going to be a mess of a franchise in like two or three years. Oh, yeah. And the Dodgers, and maybe the Diamondbacks will just run that division for a ton of years. <laughs> the D-backs the, the are here, man. They, they're going to be good for a while. Yeah, they are. Corbin Carroll's a superstar already, in my opinion. Yeah, he's already one of the, you know, probably... 20 best outfielders in the league, 15 best outfielders in the league. And that speed's going to be around for another decade. So, <laughs> you know, Christian Walker is an animal at first base. And since it's first base, I'm, I feel pretty good about his uh, long-term health. Uh, Gabby Moreno's a beast. Uh, you know, and they push all the right buttons. They finally got rid of Bumgarner, which hip hip hooray i i was i was in arizona when bumgarner got cut the amount of cheers in the uh the newsroom i was in when he got cut <laughs> outrageous but yeah the padres are gonna be a mess uh the phillies are gonna be a mess like all these teams the mets are gonna be a mess although thankfully for them like verlander and scherzer only have a couple years left um so they'll probably be able to get some money shed but like all these teams that spend a ton of money, like it's sexy in the short term, but in the long term, it does so much damage to your roster. Yeah, for sure. Which is why spending you. smart like Heim's done, which I, I mean, I think he could have, you know, been a little bit better in each of his off seasons. Like, it, it, like we're nitpicking it. Like, like with this past off season, the only mistake was not, you know, just presenting Nathan Avaldi with the offer again when he when he went back to them, and then. You know, at the time, the shortstop situation, not having Bo- not bringing Bogarts back because it was going to end up being Kike. Um, but Bogarts has been bad, so that's kind of a that's kind of a win for him. And then it's like, you know, who could have foreseen Nate having a mid zero ERA over like a ten start stretch? Like that's just ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Any final thing you got to say? Nah, I've I, I've been rambling. My throat's starting to hurt. I've been talking so much. <laughs> nah, you're good. Um, thank you for everybody tuning in. Um, thank you to Jordan. Um, and Eric, follow them on Twitter. I'll post a link later tonight. Thank you, and have a good rest of your evening. <laughs>